Hello, and welcome to Cinema Sunday. I am your host, Candy Thomas, and each week I'm going to watch one of the 95 movies that have won an Oscar for Best Picture and tell you exactly what I think of them. I follow the same template every week, so if you're new to this podcast, here's how this works. I tell you the basic details of the movie, things like who's in it and what's it all about, and most importantly, where you can stream it if you want to watch it. I also answer three questions. One, does it stand the test of time? Two, is it Oscar worthy? And three, should you watch it? Or is it total rubbish? Just as a friendly warning, along with my honest assessment of these movies, you'll also get my hot takes on many current events. I also like to rant about the things that irritate me, and I always mix it with a heaping dose of adult language. There's nothing to stop me from fussing and cussing, so please be sure you listen with caution. Before we begin, I'd like to thank Wikipedia and IMDb, as they are great sources of information for all things movie and Oscar-related. And with that, let's take it away. This week's Oscar-winning film is Rocky. It was released November 20th of 1976. It's directed by John G. Advildsen. It stars Sylvester Stallone, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith, Talia Shire, and Burt Young. It was nominated for a total of 10 Oscars, and it won three of them. It won for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Editing. If you want to watch it, you can find it everywhere. So it's on Tubi and Pluto TV for free. You can also watch it on Amazon Prime Video, Spectrum, MGM Plus, Paramount Plus, and Epics if you happen to have a subscription to any of those. Or you can pay $3.99 to watch it on Vudu, Redbox, and Apple TV. They really want you to watch it. So what is it about? It's set in Philadelphia in November of 1975. Rocky Balboa, who's played by Sylvester Stallone, is an amateur boxer who basically ekes out a living fighting other no-name fighters for like 20, 30 bucks a pop. To help him make ends meet, he works as a collector for a loan shark named Gazo, basically spends his day threatening to bust kneecaps if some poor fool can't pay up on time. He's popular in his South Philly neighborhood where everyone seems to be barely getting by. He spends an unusual amount of time in a rinky-dink pet store attempting to flirt with Adrian, a painfully shy employee. She's played by Talia Shire. Adrian lives with her brother, Polly, who's played by Burt Young, and he is a cruel, depressed, selfish, jealous drunk of a man. And that's basically the entire backstory. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not being mean, but to be honest, this is really the extent of the character development. There's not a lot of there, there. The first 15 minutes of the movie is basically Rocky with his kind of monosyllabic coma victim voice just going, oh, yeah, I have pet turtles and I have to go to the pet store to see Adrian to get some more turtle food. It's really painful in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. And it's not what we would call a sophisticated script. But the good news is it does get going. It just takes a little while. So stick with it. There's a couple of things that happen early in the movie that are important to the larger story. The first one is that Rocky trains at a run-down gym in his neighborhood. 
This is very similar to episode three, when I did Million Dollar Baby. It's really the same premise. It's a poor, struggling wannabe trying desperately to get the attention of a crusty old gym owner slash boxing trainer to help them get their shot. And in both cases, the old crusty trainer initially refuses to train them, convinced they don't have the right stuff. But they keep showing up and they keep trying anyway. In Rocky's case, a person's potential seems attached to their locker assignment. (laughs) So there are only so many lockers in the locker room, and they are assigned to the guys who have a shot at making it. So Rocky, who, who won a pretty tough fight the night before, is shocked when he sees his locker, which he's had for six years, has been reassigned to someone else, and all of his shit is piled into a bag in the hallway. Rocky confronts the old crusty trainer, a guy named Mickey, who's played by Burgess Meredith. And this is the first time we see him tell Rocky that he doesn't have it. Sure, he has heart, but no finesse, no style. He'll never amount to anything. And if he were smart, he'd retire. But Rocky isn't discouraged. He's sure he's on the right career path, and he's not ready to throw in the towel just yet. Rocky continues to chase Adrian, even trying to convince Polly to act as a matchmaker. Polly tells him to drop it. He thinks Adrian is a loser, and she's dumb, and Rocky could do better. She's pushing 30, and no one wants to be with her. She's going to end up dying all alone. I mean, (laughs) clearly he's the beacon of brotherly love. Polly wants Rocky to get him a job as a collections guy for Gazzo, but Rocky isn't willing to help him out probably because he knows Polly is a grouchy, unreliable drunk, and he doesn't want to vouch for the guy. So Polly starts to kind of play the angle, like he'll set Rocky up with his sister, knowing Rocky is the kind of guy who will always repay favors. Finally, we get to the main purpose of the movie. The current heavyweight boxing champion is a guy named Apollo Creed, who's played by Carl Weathers. Creed has announced that his next big title fight will take place in Philadelphia and will coincide with the United States Bicentennial. There will be big celebrations. And Creed is quite the showman, so he wants to put on this big, spectacular, patriotic championship fight in front of a massive crowd with unprecedented TV coverage. But suddenly there's a problem. Five weeks before the fight, his opponent pulls out due to a hand injury, And as hard as they search, they can't find anyone else, any other professional boxer who's available to fight that night. So they decide on the ultimate Cinderella story. They're going to pick a local contender to take on the champ. Enter Rocky Balboa, whose nickname is the Italian Stallion. It's because of this nickname that Creed and his team select Rocky. They think about the immigrant story, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, living the American dream. This is a great story, and it will excite boxing fans and get him even more publicity for his fight. One of the bad things about Creed is that he's written as someone who cares far more about the show, the popularity, the money, the fame than he ever does about boxing. They make him out to be someone who spends more time looking good than being good. And I think it's intended for him to be a charismatic Muhammad Ali type of personality. But he ends up looking more like a flamboyant, over-the-top dickhead. And clearly he's a good fighter. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. But the way the character is written, it would make you think he's more interested in smiling for the camera than fighting. 
Rocky meets with a fight promoter, thinking they just want him to act as a sparring partner for Creed while he's in town. But instead, they offer him a chance to fight for the heavyweight title. He originally says no. He's nothing if he's not self-aware. And he knows he'd be terribly mismatched against Creed. It doesn't help that 15 minutes earlier, Mickey was telling him, yet again, that he'd never be a contender, and he's pissed away the best years of his life. So Rocky is definitely at a low point when they approach him with the offer. But they sweeten the deal by telling him they'll pay him 150 grand. And just in case you're wondering the math, well, that would be the equivalent of about $839,000 in today's money. And there's probably a lot of people that would let the heavyweight champion punch them in the face for that kind of payday. So now it's time for Rocky to get serious about training. He has five weeks, very little money. He smokes and drinks, and he doesn't even have a locker at the goddamn gym. But that old crusty trainer guy, Mickey, shows up at Rocky's house and suggests that he should be his manager. He's got a lot of experience, and he knows how to train fighters. This should be a no-brainer. Surely Rocky could see the stupidity in thinking he could actually take on a guy like Creed without the help of a capable trainer. Rocky, still really pissed about the locker, exchanges words with the old guy and tells him to take a hike. But before Mickey gets three houses down, Rocky chases after him and they agree to a partnership. Next up, we have some initial training sequences. Rocky drinking half a dozen raw eggs and then running miles through the city of brotherly love just as the sun is rising. They make a point to show him attempting to run up the stairs at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And we see that he barely limps to the top and he's absolutely fucking gassed when he gets there. You just know that we're going to be back here later in this movie so we can see how much he's improved. Rocky goes to visit Polly at the meatpacking plant where he works and per usual, Polly is drunk and angry. The two exchange words and out of frustration, Rocky starts punching a 200 pound side of beef and an idea is born. Put a pin in this, we're going to come back to it. Mickey is a hardcore trainer. Actually, I think Mickey is just hardcore in general. I don't think there's a single moment on screen where he's not red-faced and screaming in someone's face. Rocky is gaining recognition through town, and his friends are showing their support for his plight. Polly calls the local news station and has them come to the meatpacking plant to do a story about Rocky. They are fascinated that he would train in an icebox by punching giant slabs of beef. Apparently, this is so unorthodox that it even gets the attention of Creed's manager, who starts to think that maybe the Italian stallion means business. By the time Christmas rolls around, Polly's drunken anger boils over, and he destroys the house with a baseball bat. Adrian, for once, stands up for herself and ends up leaving Polly's house for good to move in with Rocky. And then it happens. The mother of all training scenes. You know what I'm talking about. Even if you've never seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. And this time it's accompanied by that great music. For the next few minutes, it's just scenes of him running, he's sparring, he's doing one-armed push-ups and beating the shit out of dead cows. Of course, it ends with the infamous sprint up the stairs at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. 
And now he's taking them two at a time and he's doing a celebration dance at the top. This is one of the more perfect moments in the history of cinematography. We see Rocky from behind, arms raised, as he looks out over the downtown Philly skyline at sunrise. It's gorgeous and perhaps one of the most famous moments in movie history. In this moment, he gives us all a glimmer of hope that perhaps the little guy stands a chance to win after all. You're at least on the edge of your seat and anxious to see how it all ends. The night before the fight, Rocky expresses to Adrian that he, he knows he can't win. He can't beat Creed. Creed is just too good. And it's just not meant to be for a guy like him. But in his mind, winning doesn't matter. He just wants to go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. And for the first time in Rocky's life, he's got a chance to be more than just a bum from the neighborhood. So spoiler alert, (laughs) that's what happens. I won't go round by round and punch by punch, but it goes without saying, this is a fight for the ages. Creed truly believed that this was more of an exhibition fight, and it would be over in just a couple of rounds. Rocky takes advantage of Creed's cockiness, and he knocks him down in the first round. This is the first time that Creed has ever even been knocked down. So suddenly he's like, oh shit, this bitch came to play. So now it's on, and it's on for real. The fight goes a full 15 rounds, and it gets brutal. They are both badly damaged. Rocky's eyes are so swollen that one of them has to be cut to restore his vision. Creed has internal bleeding with a broken rib, and he's struggling to breathe. Creed's skill is matched blow for blow with Rocky's ability to just take a beating, and he has a pure refusal to go down. As the final bell rings, the two exhausted fighters cling to each other in the middle of the ring, both vowing that no matter what the decision is, there will be no rematch. Finally, it's announced that the winner by decision is Apollo Creed, and he will remain the heavyweight champion of the world. But none of that matters to Rocky. He stands there, beaten and battered and yelling for Adrian. And as she crawls between the ropes, they embrace and declare their love for each other neither of them caring about the outcome of the fight. Rocky did what he came to do, and he went the distance. Question one, does Rocky stand the test of time? Yeah, I mean, I think in several ways it does. We all love the story of an underdog. This one is particularly interesting because we go into it actually expecting Rocky to win. But for some reason, we're not disappointed when he doesn't. I think it's refreshing that he decides he doesn't need to win and just carves out a new standard for himself. Just surviving is enough for him, and I think that makes him an endearing character. We already established in earlier episodes that the true test of time is if they make a sequel. And since there are about 107 fucking Rocky movies, it's clear this is a time-tested franchise. The music, which is composed by Bill Conti, absolutely stands the test of time. The main theme song, called Gonna Fly Now, made it to number one on Billboard's Hot 100 list for one week in the summer of 1977. The American Film Institute placed it 58th on their top 100 songs from the last 100 years. And interestingly enough, I saw it, I think, three nights ago on a TV commercial for, I want to believe it was Hyundai. They were playing the theme as a dad was driving back and forth because he forgot his kid's binky. I don't know. Still pretty popular. There are parts of the movie that would probably change dramatically for made today. Among them is the verbal abuse that Adrian accepts from her brother, Polly. To be honest, as I rewatch this movie, I question the need to even have Polly's character in it at all. 
there really doesn't seem to be anything he contributes except drunken fits of rage toward everyone. He does help expedite the relationship between Rocky and Adrian, but I can't help but think that they could have found their way to each other even without him. And other than providing Rocky with a place to punch meat, I have a hard time seeing how he advances the story in any way, shape, or form. I also find the whole shtick about Apollo Creed being nothing more than a fame-obsessed diva is something that wouldn't make sense today. If it were written today, he'd likely still be an attention whore, but it's very unlikely he'd be the champion of the world if he didn't take the actual boxing part more seriously. I think they were trying to make a point that maybe Creed didn't find the competition significant enough to spend time preparing. But I don't think it comes across that way. Rather than him downplaying Rocky's capability, they end up downplaying Creed's professionalism. Question two, is it Oscar worthy? Well, this is not going to be a popular opinion, but no, I don't think it is. And, and let, me, let me clarify. It was nominated for 10 awards, so it's worthy of being nominated, but I sure as heck would never have voted for it to win for the best picture. Stallone was nominated for best actor, and I tend to agree that he deserved to be nominated. This is his best acting performance to date. In fact, I think this is his only acting performance to date, and that's not his fault. He's an action star. And no one can deny he's built quite an empire from this one character. But acting really isn't his thing. I think part of the reason he's good in it is because he also wrote the script. I said this very same thing about Ben Affleck a few episodes ago. When he writes or directs parts for himself, he turns in a much better performance. He's not really very good at acting, but he's good at creating robust characters in his own image. If they walk like you and they talk like you, then you're really not acting. But the audience doesn't know that. The other movies nominated that year were Bound for Glory, Network, Taxi Driver, and All the President's Men. So I'm going to dig deep and say this as nicely as I possibly can. How the fuck do you vote for Rocky over any of those movies? There must have been sentimental reasons, right? I can see this. The story behind the movie is even more appealing than the movie itself. Stallone wrote the script in just, I think, three days, and there were instant offers to buy it. But Stallone refused to sell it if he couldn't be cast to star in it. Eventually, United Artists cave and they agreed to let him star. And I think his resilience, the way he fought for his project like a mama bear protecting her cub, I think that tugged at the heartstrings of Academy voters. I also think that having Talia Shire star in it helped enormously. Keep in mind, she had just appeared in the Best Picture Oscar winners in 1972 and 1974. And I don't know if this is true. I'm just kind of thinking through the whole proverbial chicken or egg equation. But did she choose to star in Rocky because she knows how to pick an Oscar winner? Or did her appearance in it give people the illusion it was an Oscar-worthy film? Not real sure. And one last thing, there was also a real-life Rocky situation playing out in Philly at the same time this movie was released. Remember, 1976 was the same year that Dick Vermeil held open tryouts for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he picked Vince Papali to join the team. So the NFL's version of a 
regular Joe getting a shot at the big time is playing out in real life as people are going to the theaters to see Rocky. Of course, it makes you feel good. And of course, you immediately fall in love with this poor, uneducated boxer who just wants a chance to make something of himself. But I don't think that's enough to make it the best picture of the year. Argue with me all you want, but I'm not alone in this thinking. In 2015, The Hollywood Reporter pulled hundreds of Academy members, asking them to re-vote on past controversial decisions. And of course, if given a second chance, they would have awarded the Best Picture Oscar to all the president's men instead. Because yes, it's vastly superior. To its credit, Rocky still remains an endearing favorite all these years later. It's number 78 on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Movies. It's number 52 on the list of 100 Years, 100 Thrills. And Rocky Balboa is number seven on the list of top 100 movie heroes. Question three, should you watch it? If you're looking for an enjoyable, uplifting sports movie, I think you should watch it. Just keep your expectations in check. It's, it's not deep. It's not earth shattering. When I mentioned to my mom that I was reviewing Rocky, She said that all she remembered about it was him running up some stairs, (laughs) which shows you how little about this movie is truly memorable. That and him yelling, Adrian, at the end. But to be fair, it's also the origin story that has led to 45 years following Rocky Balboa through life. And I guess there's something to be said for setting a solid foundation. Overall, this is not a bad movie. It's really not. I just think it's always gotten a little bit more credit than it deserved. And it's my job to call that shit out. If you don't agree with me, you can email me at cinemasunday at yahoo.com and tell me all the ways I'm wrong. Knock yourself out. Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 24 of Cinema Sunday. I'll be back next week to discuss another Oscar winning film. Please tell your friends about this podcast. If you feel so inclined, you can like, follow, subscribe, and even post a review. That helps Cinema Sunday get out to a wider audience. If you have a comment, a correction, or just want to tell me I have shit taste, you can email me at cinemasunday at yahoo.com. The music for Cinema Sunday is appropriately titled So Happy. It is by Scott Holmes Music. I got it off of freemusicarchives.org, and the work is licensed under Creative Commons by NC 4.0. Links are provided in the bio, and if you happen to visit the Free Music Archive, they do take donations, so please be generous. Thanks, and see you next week.